Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include 50 or 75 basis points, my interview with Ice Mortgage Technologies' Chris McEntee on top of mind items for 2023, and the latest inflation reading. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Appraisal Logistics. Aimport is an appraisal management platform built to reduce costs and elevate the borrower experience for lenders managing appraisal operations. Born from Appraisal Logistics, a full-service AMC license in all 50 states, Aimport's robust integrations, custom automations, and granular reporting tools are delivering gains in efficiency and cost savings to lenders across the country. Go to aim-port.com for more information. Ahead of the busy next few days with the November Consumer Price Index Report, latest Federal Open Market Committee decision, November Retail Sales Report, and BOE, ECB, SNB, and Nordisk Bank Monetary Policy decisions, rates rose slightly to open the week. Monday saw a $32 billion 10-year note reopening, which meant weak demand, not good for prices, and a $40 billion three-year note sale that found solid interest. Expectations for the final FOMC meeting for 2022 are that a 50 basis point rate hike is more likely than 75. And that uncertainty means we will likely see a pretty wide range for the 2023 Fed funds forecast in the dot plot. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Chris McEntee, Vice President of Ice Mortgage Technology, to talk about top of mind items for 2023. He's responsible for M&A and corporate and product development at ICE Mortgage Technologies. He started at ICE in 2011 as Senior Director of Corporate Development, and prior to joining ICE, worked at the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta as a director and managed the marketing of wholesale lending products, supported new product development, and the Affordable Housing Grant Program. He began his career as a financial journalist at The Bond Buyer and was the national editor until 1999. He currently serves on the MERS Corp Holdings Board of Directors and chairs the Compliance, Governance, and Risk Committee. He's also vice chair of the Mortgage Industry Standards Maintenance Organization, or MISMO, Board of of Directors, and has served on that board since 2019. Yeah, a lot of people in the industry know MERS, but they might not know IMT as well. Can you give a little overview of IMT and what you're working on? Yeah, so, so the context is really threefold, if you think about it from from the highest of levels. Um, IMT, uh, ICE Mortgage Technology, is part of Intercontinental Exchange, uh, and that goes by the ticker symbol of ICE or ICE. And we're probably best known as the operator of the New York Stock Exchange. Um, And, you know, we we really got our start, the corporation did, with, with really futures markets, and clearing and trading of energy products and over years it evolved went from kind of the traditional open outcry pits to screens so where trading was done more on on screens uh and then as it continued to evolve we expanded into um, credit default swaps post-crisis this around 2010 you know 9 and 10 and then um moved into data market data uh, and really kind of broader um, purview of capital markets and OTC over-the-counter trading. And then into fixed income, which was you know more of your typical bond trading. 
And then uh, more recently, but but still with a, a good seasoned history, we uh, acquired uh, an ownership stake in MERS, and that's really where I came into it. I was responsible for for that activity, and so if you think about um, kind of a corporate hierarchy of ICE as the parent uh, division, functional business division, ICE Mortgage Technology, and then underneath that, a series of products and platforms. Uh, principally, which are MERS, a mortgage electronic registration systems, and we'll get the details on that. And then Simplifile, which is really the leader in e-recording. And then what most people in the industry would know is Ellie May, or formerly Ellie May, but now part of ICE Mortgage Technology. So the LOS and the various products there. Yeah, and I want to talk about MERS for a second. As you mentioned, it's the mortgage electronic registry system. Uh, a big, big standardization, uh, or sorry, most standardization in the mortgage industry is is due to MERS. And so I wanted to talk about MERS role with IMT. Can you talk about uh, how MERS plays into what's going on over there? Yeah, so that that's really a good connection that most people don't pick up on in the sense that um, really, and, and this is in our DNA at ICE, we're in terms of trying to create standards. Um, and I, I look at standards as really kind of two pieces, one, data standards, and then what you would typically call protocol standards, so sequence of workflows and events. And um, uh, at least at, at, at MERS, which was really kind of a, a, a unique aspect of MERS, it had the mortgage identification number, right, which is shorthand is called the MIN. And the MIN is widely distributed through the industry. I mean, it is it is fundamentally the unique loan identifier across multiple platforms, including GSEs, post-secondary. Um, and so that's really kind of an anchor around the standard. And then there's the data. So the data files that would come in from, say, loan origination at the um, origination of a loan. And then you've got um, the document standard. So kind of a legal standard, right, which is really one of the underpinnings of MERS. So, you know, in that movement, um, it's been able to kind of anchor a lot of ancillary activity around it. Right. So when you could say, hey, you know, I want to know the, you know, Crispin file. You know, if it's got the MIN, uh, the mortgage identification number by MERS, you, you know we're talking about the same file, right? And whether it goes in from an LOS to a warehouse or warehouse is referencing, or is it going into an investor portfolio and then into servicing? So I think that's really um, uh, the glue that's holding a lot of these pieces together. And then, and then I think go to the other pieces is the protocol, the kind of sequence of events. And this has become more important with digital technology, right? So uh, the vault of all communications and MERS kind of orchestrates that. So we're behind the scenes, but really fundamental. So I think just as that infrastructure, uh, it's it's something that, you know, people take for granted, but because it, it works and it works you know, without much effort. And so, but that's really been our view of having to get that right in order to get all the other pieces of digital transformation done correctly. I want to talk about MERS light. You know, people think a lot around, oh, well, it's the technology, you know, and, and you've probably also heard people say, oh, well, you know, blockchain this and, you know, AI and all the new fangled technologies. 
what they miss is that it's it's a combination of things, right? It's it's a legal construct in which MERS acts as mortgagee, right, in the public records. It's a technological one, which I talked about. There's a data standard. There's there's all these other pieces around it, and then the way the counterparties act. So so you know it's been with really the influx of a lot of fintech dollars into mortgage and prop tech, people have been like, oh, well, hey, look, you know, we can recreate MERS cheaper, better, faster. But they they overlook all these kind of interconnections, right, which is, you know, kind of the support of the larger agency investors, right, of, of the construct I talked earlier. It's the technology, it's the vault of all communication, it's the legal underpinning, some of which were significantly challenged over time. So there's a long uh, case history in terms of defending the legal standing of MERS. So, and so when I talk about the light, it is kind of a flyover because, you know, even people, very seasoned people in the industry will say, oh yeah, I know MERS, I know MERS. And then, you know, you start picking at the surface and, you know, they kind of have a perfunctory view of it. But um, part of why it works is because all those things kind of um, work together to make it resilient. Yeah, a lot of people think they know what MERS is, but but they conflate a lot of what goes on. Can you talk about everything that MERS does kind of at a high level and, and remind us of the, the value proposition there for mortgage companies? Yeah, yeah, I think that, that's great. Yeah, I, and just, you know, a quick a quick engagement on it in the sense that when MERS, when you're using a MERS loan and what tip and what people will reference as MERS is mortgagee, right? So you go to the closing and you see the MERS security instrument. It's got some of the legal references in that. That permits the originator to have the borrower sign that and then submit it into the MERS registry. And then all the subsequent transfers will occur on the MERS system. And the benefit of that is you're not consistently going in and doing paper assignments on these transfers. So it has a, a life of loan dimensionality that permits you to, you know, submit it at origination, but then have, in some cases, a warehouse lender have some position and awareness of that. So there's transparency. Uh, in some cases, uh, if there's an intermediary being able to transfer that loan as an owner into an aggregator, say, if there's somebody before borrowing, you know, sending it to the GSEs, subsequent movement into the GSEs, right? So there's an update to the record that says GSEs are now in, in, a, in, a, in a position to manage the data. Uh, and then it goes, you know, into, you know, servicing. And obviously there's life of loan events there, modifications and paid in fulls, right? So when you think about it in the simplest of terms, uh, when you register the, the the loan, we're kind of maintaining the integrity of that record throughout its life cycle, and 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 so that's the real core value proposition, right? You, you know, it's I wouldn't say it's a set and forget because we have to maintain the data, but when you think about it, you could say, hey, what's the status on this loan? Like like where is it in servicing, and who's the entity that's servicing, and who's responsible? At any given time, you can look up those records. Right now, we've got approximately 39 million active records on MERS. And so you can quickly do that. We, we have a lot of reporting. And so I think that's, you know, fundamental and real important to the, the creation of, of moving a loan from origination in through a securitization vehicle. And, um, 
you know, it's it's uh, it's really core to our mission and, and our and our business objectives. Speaking of those business objectives, what's new? What's on the roadmap uh, when it comes to twenty twenty three and and what you're going to be working on as we move into the new year? Um, well, it, it we have quite a few things in the in the quiver, so to speak. Um, where where we were focused a lot of our energy over the past, I'd say almost uh, really 48 months, you know, two to three years. Prior to that, we were in a position where we moved the MERS system when it was prior to the owners, it was owned by cooperative. We moved the system into an ICE data center. This is um, in Mawa, New Jersey. It's the same one that hosts the New York Stock Exchange. So we did a lot of them. Um, what I'd call more, you know, cleaning up technical debt on the infrastructure, right? Up, up, uh, grading the the factoring of the technology and the other pieces. And then over the past two years, it was, you know, we looked at areas where we could innovate. And two principal areas where we innovated is we created a secured party field, uh, which was a, an addition into the Mersey registry, which tracks, you know, digital e notes. And that was really beneficial to get the Ginny May program um, kind of launched, Ginny May digital, digital Collateral. So we're collaboratively with the industry to kind of support that over the past you know, two years. And then we also launched uh, the ROM video storage technology. So this, is a, this was really looking at as RON emerged, this is remote online notary, uh as as a, a way of you know uh, codifying the closings and i think most are familiar with it it's the kind of video recording of, of those closings and we were able to t- uh, connect the min with the loan file and as a storage functionality that's going to be really valuable again it's it's early stages but if you think about it go back to the um what i was describing earlier in reporting well, we, we want to look up the Christmas loan and what's the reference and, oh, yeah, we've got a Ron video associated with it. So those were the two investments really over the past, you know, 24 months, uh, you know, year. Going forward, we have really pulsed a lot of the industry. And one of the benefits, again, with MERS is that we can act as a neutral uh, uh, kind of convocation where different entities can come together. We work very closely with MISMO as well, the Mortgage Industry Standard a Maintenance Organization. And for the past four years, I've served on that board and was vice chair the past two years, working on data standards and really trying to look at where is the industry going, right, with digital adoption and where are the friction points? And so I think where we've, we've understood is that some of this is, uh, we think that the core infrastructure is there around the vault to vault communication and uh, counterparties getting active on the Mersey registry. Now we're looking at ancillary functionality that will continue to grow that. And so certain areas where we're exploring and, and we're actually working with counterparties is, yes, okay, e-notes might be able to transfer well into agency securities, but what about private label mortgage-backed securities? You know, that's not a bespoke market, but again, some of the standards that could get applied there kind of moving out of the agency space will help with liquidity. So we've got some solutions, we're working on that. We're also trying to use in some ways the, the position where we are in the back office to take friction out in terms of transfers of loans and also just uh, you know post-close reporting. And so 
you know, when we're working with counterparties, they can say, well, look, you've already got aspects of my data. Uh, I want to move this loan to a counterparty. Is there some way I can use your network to transfer these in a little smoother fashion? So we have some new products. We're going to work on that. And then also the idea around um, uh, the 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 uh, the transfers where, you know, uh, we have a life of loan um, kind of toward the close of the loan. You have paid in fulls and, and, and MERS is really vigilant about tracking loan and lien releases. And so we've got some new reporting and new functionality around that. So really, principally, the three categories is transfer of assets over time and then different life cycle events where we can take out friction. ICE has been very active in the M&A space, and, and we'll get a little bit more into that in your background there in a second. But uh, kind of general overview for people out there that hear, oh, ICE just bought this company, ICE just bought that company. Is the goal for a a complete vertical integration in the mortgage industry? Is it, it, it you know how is ICE trying to position themselves moving forward? ICE has grown over over a number of years with with multiple M um, and A transactions. So go back to where we started in our conversation talking about um, ICE corporate, and then and then in specifically trying to thread together different pieces of technology but but really one of the things that's a big driver of ice is the openness of the networks right so what you're describing would be okay well if i could take a loan from literally origination maybe even earlier right some of the data associated with home buying process in through underwriting closing secondary securitization you know servicing like that is the loan life cycle what what we envision is the ability to be able to thread these together but then also create more of an open network where different types of technology can interact with the loan so what that would mean would be the ability to um you know come in and say like a good example would be hey look i need to do a valuation on a loan right in terms of underlying collateral that'll happen throughout the life cycle so you know, you would have an AMC or appraisal done at origination, and then you might have an update for the servicing book. So you'd have a, a core framework in which, you know, called almost a road metaphor, where people can come on and off on on um, on the on the platform, conduct some of the activity associated with the loan during a life cycle event. As that relates in back to M&A, you know, what we have got is clearly we've got some activities and certainly platforms in and around the origination. We've got um, things around e-recording, as I mentioned earlier, uh, MERS. And then recently there was an announcement around uh, the Black Knight transaction, which was more of the kind of servicing side of the business. So I think linking those together really has a lot of promise around reducing friction and friction equals cost. And I think people understand we want to lower costs. And that's really the driver. That's certainly a great goal in the mortgage industry, considering I think MBA's latest figures put origination costs over $11,000 per loan file in the third quarter. I want to talk to you a little bit more broadly about M&A and because that's where your background is. For those out there that are you know, as we move through these market cycles, can you explain why there's increased M&A activity as business slows and then kind of your your outlook for M&A in the next year? 
Yeah, Robbie, that that's interesting. You know, I, I did have uh, in that capacity work in corporate development for for ICE and have a have a a lens into that. Some of this is just you know kind of market um, intelligence and the trends, and a lot of the trends were driven by um, capital formation, right? So you you have. Uh, as you're aware, you know, you had a large influx of funding into the fintech space, call it broadly fintech, uh, it probably be, really kicked up around 2017 and 18, right? And so, um, so you had a lot of funding available and venture capital around startups, right? And these were, these were, um, people trying to innovate either on next gen technology or trying to refactor or reformulate the business processes around different parts of of mortgage and i think i think that era has kind of come to a close a little bit and and i don't think it's as much about the um you know ancillary issues which you've seen with crypto but more kind of a a, a business cycle right I, I think you saw a lot of promise and the, the dollars came in because I think all of us on the call recognize, you know, it's $11 trillion market. It, typically, people will reference, you know, it's one of the largest total addressable markets in the world, really, the U.S. mortgage housing and finance market. And so a lot of funding came in. And then what you saw was institutions or small startups trying to attack very particular problems in the life cycle, right? And and sometimes they were successful where they would say, hey, look, I, I'm either carving out something in in um, valuations or um, point of sale or, uh, you know, post-close or QC, automated QC. So, so and, and then what happened was some of those have not scaled. So what you're starting to see now is really a reformulation where early stage investors are going to start to have to think about, well, you know, I might have carved a niche out on a very particular spot solution, but uh, it doesn't, it, it needs to be linked in with other solutions to really solve a broader problem. And what will happen there is that valuations have come down. I think with the public markets, we've seen the public markets, even, you know, the, the kind of dominant, um, uh, tech firms, you know, the, the, the fangs, if you would, uh, Facebook and, 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 uh, Alphabet, as those prices have come down in the public markets, the private markets have also seen valuations drop. That will likely prompt more M&A activity because people, you know, the, the, the startups will need cash flow. Some have raised funds and can kind of, uh, burn cash, if you would, for some period of time as they grow their businesses. But, the, the market sentiments change. So what that's going to do is drive a lot of um, consolidation, if you would. I think that piece of it and then just look at the size of the market. I mean, you you, you cover it and, you know, you're going to see a reduction in the number of originators. Right. And so this the parallel trend has been the growth of IMBs. And so um, independent mortgage bankers have a little bit of a different model. I mean, they're, they're more principally monoline in and around housing mortgage versus say a depository, which can kind of in a tougher market kind of be more diversified. So you've got these two trends where you're going to see, you know, really three trends, lower production. So lower absolute volume of loan production, probably fewer originators as, as that market, you know, the, the kind of more of the funding and, and that part of the market consolidates. And then that will drive probably technology to more to consolidate. So, um the trends will be you know i i try to you know sense well there'll be different transactions that will probably you know create what i call more of a mark what is the valuation what does that look like 
and then you'll start to see um you know platforms emerge certainly more competition where you could see different platforms linking up either through an acquisition or strategic partnership so i think it's very fluid and it'll be really interesting to see over the next year year and a half how those companies that may have raised you know 30 40 million dollars navigate the the lower production volumes to grow their business chris i really enjoyed this thanks for coming on and talking to me making time and thank you i mean thank you for the time and and interest and um really appreciate it we learned yesterday that services data for november exceeded market expectations and showed business activity picking up there was some moderation in prices however prices remain high by historical standards the trade deficit widened as exports of natural gas to the EU fell during this unseasonably warm weather we experienced in the fall. Additionally, industrial supplies and autos in ports increased. Credit card debt, which has supported consumer spending this fall, continues to increase and is up 10.4% over the last year. And the average interest rate for all credit cards in the third quarter has risen to 16.27%, which is not good for consumers. Last week ended with the producer price index for November, a touch above market expectations. And though it registered the slowest annual reading since early 2021, the miss caused worries that today's CPI reading might also be high, which would see rates push back upward. Before CPI was November NFIB small business optimism, which rose. But more importantly, November CPI came in up 0.1%, a downside surprise with core CPI up 0.2%, also a downside surprise, it was up 6% year over year. Both were expected to increase 0.3% month over month. And so get ready for markets to go crazy. As has been well telegraphed, the first day of the FOMC's two-day meeting gets underway in this morning with the statement and updated summary of economic projections out tomorrow afternoon, followed by Chair Powell's press conference. And we begin the day with agency MBS prices better nearly a half and the 10-year yielding 3.43 after closing yesterday at 3.61%. Since you've now heard the news, inflation is over and not a problem anymore. <laughs> Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. What do you call a Christmas wreath made out of $100 bills? Aretha Franklin's. <laughs> I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Appraisal Logistics. Aimport is an appraisal management platform built to reduce costs and elevate the borrower experience for lenders managing appraisal operations. Born from Appraisal Logistics, a full-service AMC licensed in all 50 states, Aimport's robust integrations, custom automations, and granular reporting tools are delivering gains in efficiency and cost savings to lenders across the country. Go to aim-port.com for more information. ...about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.